Hi, you're listening to Penny for Your Love, the podcast about selling sex and buying love. I'm your host in denial, sex worker and storyteller from Amsterdam. I sell fantasies in the bedroom, on the page and on the stage. If you ever wondered what it's like to be a fly on the wall as two sex workers have an intimate conversation, then you're in for a big treat. So listen up. And this week, I'm very excited to present our new guest, Helene Dreesam, and I'll let her describe who she is and what she does, but she's someone who's very close to the world of sex work. Yes. Take it away, Helene. Yes, I will. So my name is Helene Dreesam. I already work for around 24 years with sex workers, also with victims of human trafficking, but I started at the Street Zone in Amsterdam at the Teemsweg. And I started there as a personal um, social worker for all the sex workers. And then I stayed in this world already all those years. Yeah, so 25 years, that's a very long yes, time. So it, it goes without saying that you love this work. It's obvious even when I we do. spoke off record as yeah. well that how much you love it. So what, what was, the, do you remember the day or the point in your life where you're like, okay, this is the, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? Is, was there no, I, <laughs> I never thought, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But I was reading the newspaper in the morning, I think on a Saturday. And then I saw an advertisement that they were looking for social workers at the Tipple Zone, the street zone where all the sex workers were working in Amsterdam at that moment. And then I wrote a letter and I thought, oh, this is a nice job. I want to try it. And then they invited me. And then I went on my bicycle. I lived in Amsterdam at that time. I went on my bicycle to Sloterdijk and it was really desolate. desolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was nothing in that whole area. I was on my bike and was like, oh, where do I have to go? And then I saw really a place with, um, there were like bus stops on it. And uh, there was a little building on that uh, zone. And then I came in and I saw all those women and trans sex workers who were standing outside and, and working. And then I thought, okay, this is really a different kind of world that I know. And then I stayed for always because it's such a group you get really attached to. They were coming from South America, from East of Europe, from Africa. And it was such a dynamic energy there. That uh, and of course it was it wasn't always just uh, nice because there was also a lot of aggression, but um, it was really a special group of people. Just to, to go back to that moment when you read yeah. that article, because indeed this kind of job, it, our world is fascinating to everyone, right? Yeah. But there, do you think there was something in you where you uh, raised to be a caretaker? Where you is there something in you and your personality and who you are as a person that you think drew you to to this? No, the thing is. Uh, when you're 24, I don't think that you know much about life and, and maybe a lot of people do. But uh, for me, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to take care of those people. I just love people. And still now I'm 48, I do still love all those different kinds of people. If you would put me to work in uh, the ABN AMRO or in another place, I really would feel so unhappy because I love all those different kinds of people with all their own personalities. Because a sex worker doesn't exist. There is not, not such a thing as the sex worker because they're all so different. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. 
take us through what's what's your typical day like? How does yeah. On the tipple zone, we started always at eight o'clock in the evening and then we were preparing everything. And then all the people who were starting to work on the street zone, they come in, they bought uh, condoms, they could see the doctor and the nurse to do the checkups. And then they stayed outside to work there for the rest of the night until three or four o'clock in the morning. So all the cars were driving on the zone. And they picked up uh, the person they wanted to have sex with. And then you had like uh, places you could drive your car through it and you stopped and then you had sex there. And then when they were finished, they left the zone and then the sex worker, she was finished also. And she came to drink a coffee in the huiskamer, in the house uh, uh, scene, how do you say it? Yeah, huiskamer. And then they drink a coffee and they went outside again. At the time you already started as a social worker. Yeah. So what, yeah. what were you doing actually with, as a social worker? Uh, talking to people who were having problems, but also just to socialize. But uh, because they came in and some people, they came from um, Poland, for example, of Hungary, and they didn't have any clue where they were working. So some people were really young. They were 17, 18, and um, they came from East of Europe and they had no idea where the Netherlands were. So then I said, okay, but where do you think you are? And they had no idea. And I think that's always difficult when you hear that because your family is somewhere in Europe, but you have no idea where you are. And then in that time, there were a lot of people trafficked. Eh? So there were a lot of young girls who were starting in the prostitution and had to give all their money to their pimps. And uh, then we could help them to go to a safe place, eh? to a shelter. And there was also always police who was there from the vice squad. So the specialized police for human trafficking, but also police for people who were raped or had a lot of violence with the clients. So you were always there to keep all the sex workers safe during the night. And believe me, there was a lot of aggression. So I think a lot of sex workers, they are very independent and very strong and they know exactly what to do. But there were also very young girls who had no idea and who were really, how do you say it, traumatized by the work they had to do. Because it was not always summer and warm. You were always standing in your underwear on the street zone, also with uh, minus five degree outside the whole night. And so I think it's always mixed. Eh? You always see a group who's very strong and know exactly what they do in this job. And what you say is completely correct because I think they see it really like a business model. Eh? So they, they give like a financial agreement with somebody. Eh? So you say, okay, I will do this, so you pay me this. Really no problem at all. But then you have also, at that time, you had really young girls, they had no idea. So they uh, went away with the client and we always say, never leave the zone. Because if you're going outside, we don't know where you are. They can bring you to a hotel or to a house, but you we can't don't. protect them anymore. No, yeah. no. And then we heard really awful stories. A young girl who was kept for three days in the house and they did all kind of awful things with her. And then they brought her back after three days. And then the only thing that we could do is let her go back to Romania, head to her mother. So she would feel safe again. So, yeah. but she was so traumatized, but she called me from Romania to say she did, that she was safe at home. Eh? And she also pressed charges at the police. But for her, the main, uh, most important thing is that she was safe with her family. Great. So, and when somebody is calling you from Romania to say, I'm safe at home, I will never forget it because even it's 20 years ago, you will always remember these kind of things because they were so young. 
and to not to know where you are yeah, working, I think that's incredible. I think it's such a difficult thing. Yeah, it sounds like you were her mother away from home in a sense. Like, because the fact yeah. that she called you, I wanted to stop and, but you already <laughs> said it. Like, it yeah. seems like something that stays with you. Was there any point during those times, maybe this specific case or any other, that thought, okay, this is too much. I can't yeah. take on people's pain, is it, or trauma? Did you ever feel, what did I get myself into, or is it too much? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. At that age, I think definitely you're like, oh, this is really heavy. But the thing is. I had such a nice colleagues also, yeah? so it's really important that you can talk to everybody. But also the people who were coming there, some nights were really tough, but some nights were also really nice and warm. So I think you have to find a way to talk to your colleagues about it when it's really heavy on your shoulders. But for me, the most, I will always remember the night when the city council of Amsterdam, they decided to close down the street zone because there was too much trafficking. It was too difficult to control it. And then I remember the night that they came with buses and they came with a lot of police. And then they closed the gates from the zone because there were all gates around the Tipple zone. And they closed the gates and they came in with police dogs and a lot of police. And they, uh, we saw them coming and then we said to the, uh, all the sex workers, come in, come in, because there were a lot of people illegal working yeah, also there. And then we said, come in, enter the building. And we wanted to close the door. And then the police said, you have to open the door. Otherwise we come in anyway. And then they came in and then all the sex workers who were working there already for years, they had to go two by two outside to go into the buses and then they uh, put them on planes the same night or in the morning back to their home countries to Albania to Poland to South America and for me that was most of one of the most difficult things that you see a group and you are uh, providing help to them and then Gemeente, hè? so the city council they decide to do it differently and of course they have their reasons for it But for the sex workers, it was really like they were criminalized. Eh? When you're sitting on your knees with police dogs around you, I think that's difficult to understand for sex workers. And also um, that they were put on a plane back to their home countries the same night. It's difficult when you come back to your country and you have to tell your family, yeah, I was, I don't know, working as a sex worker or doing whatever. And then you come back by plane and you have to explain to everybody what happened. So I think that was really difficult. And then I really realized that it's a very vulnerable group you're working with because it doesn't matter if you're uh, undocumented. In that time, we still said illegal, but if you're undocumented, you're working as a sex worker. And we said in the Netherlands, it's a legal profession. Hey, it's a legal profession. So no matter what people are doing or where they're working, sex work is not something criminal. So you have to always have to be careful with a group and with kind of rules or policy you're making on them. Because it's a group who doesn't want to speak out in public hey, because they always feel stigmatized. And if you're making policy about this group, you always have to realize in, your, in the back of your mind that it's not a group who's going to say on television, oh, this is not good and you're making us vulnerable or this is not the way uh, we want to do our job. Because it's not a group 
who wants to speak in public. Yeah, it's almost like you're, you're a spokesperson for this group. You become, yeah, but I'm not. The thing yeah. is, they know better than me eh, exactly what to tell. And the thing is, I think it would be really, really nice when you have a really big group of sex workers who can always explain what they need. Because I think it should be the sex workers themselves who can speak out. So do you face that? It sounds like you you immediately answered. It sounds like you face that as a challenge where people have other people speaking on behalf of sex workers. Yeah. Is there something you do to sex workers to encourage them to speak up? Or is yeah. can you tell us maybe an example of something like yeah. that that happened? Yeah, because uh, that's so 20 years ago, I worked right. for six years on the street zone and now already work for years uh, at the prostitution and health center. So we provide STD checks. Yeah? So the nurses from the GGD, they work there. We have social workers and I work myself in a confidential team. So for me, I do especially all the things who don't work well in the prostitution branch. So all the rapes or people who are trafficked or when there are problems with the police or just good things with the police. But everything that's not going right, I will hear it in the conf as in my role as a confidential counselor. But yes, I think in the last years, I heard a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about sex work. And the thing is, it always surprised me a little bit because it always brings up a lot of emotions. It doesn't matter with who you're talking, but everybody has a vision on sex work. And everybody's really thinking about, oh, what does it mean? Or they feel threatened. Eh? They're afraid that maybe uh, their partner is going to a sex worker. Or they think, but they're all victims. Yeah, there's nobody who can do this work. But then they always think about themselves. Yeah? If you cannot work as a sex worker, it doesn't mean that another person can't do the exactly, job. Yeah. But I don't know any job that people have such an opinion about. Yeah, and opposite opinions and polar yeah. opinions. Yeah. yeah, even if you don't know this world and if you don't, uh, they don't know the job. And nobody worked for a couple of months or years as a sex worker so that you can say, oh, well, I can imagine it make maybe feel like this. But it's all people who never done it, but had such a strong opinion about it. Right. I think, I mean, I have a theory. I mean, I'm a sex mm -hmm. worker, obviously, but yeah. I think because sex, first of all, is very primal and like everyone can connect to it. And there's something I find it. It's a job that's almost too honest. And that scares people because it's, you're literally saying I you want my body and I want your money. And we're not yeah. going to pretend, we're not going to do anything. So I think that's a little too honest and I think it shocks because people prefer the flirting and the dance and the whole, and this yeah. is too direct maybe, so it's confronting. Yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> no, neither do I, but it's really interesting because it doesn't matter on which level you're talking to people about it, but they all want to say something about it. Ready for some Red Insights? Red Insight is a platform sharing knowledge, news, artwork, and perspectives that come from the sex work communities and is run by sex workers in the Netherlands. Above all, it's a space for sex workers. Red Insight especially wants to amplify the voices of marginalized workers within our communities and beyond. But they also welcome people who aren't sex workers. You are invited here to listen and to learn as a treat. To get some Scarlet Insight, follow them on Instagram at Red Insight Media or Twitter at STRedInsight or go to redinsight.org. Has there been over the years a sex worker or maybe recently a sex worker that really stayed with you? Like you feel like you're very maybe protective of or closely connected to or... 
Yeah, because some I know already for 20 years. So I'm always a little bit afraid eh, that something happens or that I just meet an awful client. But um, yes, there are sex workers, but we also have here one eh, at, uh, at the Tay House. Uh, if somebody is, for example, addicted eh, or has HIV, is undocumented, really vulnerable, that I'm always worried. Also, when I go home, I was like, okay, where is she going to sleep? Uh, is she in the park? Uh, who will take advantage of her? And are there people who are still good eh, and really want to take care of her? Or just people who are thinking, okay, I will take my chance. And it doesn't matter if I have to put her on the street again. So, yes, there are always sex workers who are always in the back of your mind. Or when you know, for example, if they feel vulnerable, because if people feel vulnerable, I think it's a quite a hard job. If you feel very vulnerable yourself, and we all know that eh, in life, that you have periods in life that you don't feel strong, eh, that you are a little bit like, okay, the exactly. world feels a little bit difficult for you. And I do believe that if you have to do the job when you're feeling not really strong, it can be tough because you can also meet clients who are not friendly and who want to do things with you who are maybe not feeling that good at that moment and then it can really come tough inside right i mean you said at the beginning i'm not i, I wouldn't want to work in abia and amro like or a bank no. job but i think those kind of jobs you can indeed go to even when you're not feeling good yeah. like i know a sex yeah. worker who lives across from me she had her sister die she had to come yeah. to work because she had to pay the rent and and this kind of yeah. job you need to give yeah. your whole self to and be in yeah. the mood so it is yeah it's a very yes and that's what makes it difficult because they have to take care a lot of them have to take care of their families in their home countries so if they don't work it's not only them who doesn't who don't have money but all their families they're also depending on them but to work when you are feeling depressed and eh, we all have that kind of periods but then i can tell my boss i stay at home because i don't feel well eh, and they pay me and I can stay at home and try to make myself feel better. But a lot of people here, they can't. And then to work eh, and not to sleep well, I think it's really yeah. difficult. Some of them are sick. Eh, we also had a girl, uh, for example, some people are really sick. They have yeah. cancer or eh, they have something and they still continue working. And I think it's also working in the day or in the nighttime and don't sleep enough and always worrying about if there's a lot of if there's enough money. That's for every independent worker, ZZP'er, is very much stressful. Exactly. And then there's the category, the ones who are undocumented and even yeah. more vulnerable. So you yeah. mentioned the Tay House, because yeah. we are, we have yeah. mentioned that we are in the trans safe house. Yeah. That's what we're doing the interview. Yeah. Is it fair to say that that would be the group that's the most vulnerable among sex workers or? Uh, also, but we also see the male sex workers, um, but we also see really girls from everywhere who are also can be vulnerable. But uh, of course, here we met also, you have here like a triple stigma. Yeah, if you are not documented, for example, if you have HIV, if you have psychiatric problems, then working as a sex worker, I think it's quite difficult. Oh. And also, to if you are undocumented, then uh, and you are raped or you are having a client who's beating you up, then you don't even feel safe enough to go to the police. So it makes you feel really uh, vulnerable, but also I think. Life feels really hard if there's no justice eh, for somebody who is going to have 
uh, like a very difficult period or you get raped, then you're traumatized and you want to do something to make, yeah, of course, uh, that somebody has to pay for it, that you can that you yeah. can't, cannot get away with it. But for people, sometimes when you're undocumented, you're like, okay, I'm not going to the police because if I go to the police, maybe they will deport me to um, South America or to another country and I cannot go back home. Then it's really difficult. Yeah. So that's why we always say, and we had so many protocols to say, if you're undocumented, if something happens, you can always go to the police. We also have the police here yeah, in the in the tea house, but also at the PNG, if there's anything, also in the corona tide, when people were working uh, from their houses, and when the really bad things happened, yeah, rapes or a client jumped from the roof, we can always call the police. And they will always come. And it doesn't matter if you're not legal. That's always what the police also want to say. But we have here specialized police, yeah, police from the Burgwallen. It's the prostitution team. And we have the fire squad for human trafficking. And they're all police who are very known with this group. And their way of talking yeah, is really important to this group because they don't trust the police from a lot of home countries. They think that the police will rape them or will ask money from them. So that's our job to make sure that whatever happens in which position you are, that you always feel safe enough. Well, okay. you mentioned rape a few times. Is yeah. that something that happens often? It, it does. I don't know often because I think there are so many thousand sex workers working in Amsterdam. And I think a lot of them, they will never experience this trauma. But we also know that there are sex workers who did experience it at home. A lot of times at home, eh? when you're working at home and you're alone in your place and there is a client. And the thing is, the stories we know about the undocumented sex workers is that a client's also saying, if you go to the police, you're illegal. So they will put you out of the country. So they really are forced eh? and they're but really they manipulated yeah. 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 to say, okay, if you go to the police, then I will call them and they will, they, they will deport you. They will never believe you. So... For them, that makes it really, really difficult. Yeah. And then we are very happy when we find a friend of them, for example, who's calling us to say, okay, listen, my friend, uh, she uh, has been through this. Can you please help her to talk to her? We have psychologists. It doesn't matter if you're not, uh, it's all free the help we give at the PNG. So they can go to the police. We can have a psychologist. We have a trauma specialist who can always help with this kind of cases. But most important also is to go to the police because the police wants to know who those people are who are doing this to sex workers. Of course, yeah. But like you said, it's more like also bringing awareness to the sex workers that yeah. they are not going to get into trouble. No, they don't. Yeah, that's what yeah. they need to know, I think. Yeah. Yes, they do. And, and I think that's one of the most important messages we should give to every sex worker, not only here in Amsterdam, but in the whole of the Netherlands, that they can always go to police. And if they don't know to which police they have to go, they can always call us and then we will ask somebody. Because here also lately, I have to say a lot of sex workers, they're really angry with the police sometimes eh, because they say, oh, they don't help us or, but the police that we know, they will always come. We had here also a woman and her cousin, she was murdered in Estland lately, so three weeks ago. She was working in Estland and she was murdered by a client. So we asked the police to make contact with the police in Estland because she wanted to go there 
But she was really afraid. She was like, okay, yeah, I'm a dark person. I have to go to Estland. So the thing is, the police really make contact with the police in, in Estland. They picked her up at the airport and they arranged everything. And that is also because the police here, it's not their job. Yeah, because that's murder investigation. It's a really complete different department. But they did everything they could to fill in all the papers so that Ariel could get her information that she needs to identify it, identify yeah. her. And that's one thing that we always should do to have police people that we really trust and that we know that they will help and that they will put more effort than they should do. But they did it and they did it in a lot of cases. So they will always come. We can always call their, them yeah. even if it's in the middle of the night. It's fine. I think it's very important what you're saying because even me, like I'm not maybe so vulnerable like the groups mm -hmm. that you talked about. I, I always get messages from PNG on the profiles I have yeah. on Hunks and Voice Free. Yeah. I always feel like, no, I'm not going to call them. I don't know why. It's just like, yeah. maybe it's just in the mind of a sex worker, like nobody's really going to help yeah. you if you have a small concern. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But to, a lot of people think mindset. it. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what we do. Eh? So we, we go to all the advertisements and they say you can always come. But I think the first reactions of a lot of people is like, okay, what do they want from me? Yeah. Exactly. And are they going to register? me and what do they need so they're always like suspicious like no to be honest that's yeah. it the last one it's like oh my god are they gonna put me now I, I, yeah i know funny, yeah i know that's why we always say it said also with the vrs we will never ever ask anybody about their registration registration or their pass never ever because we are a health clinic yeah so for us can you imagine now with the monkeypox, but of course also we have clients with HIV. And we see also people who come to the Netherlands who didn't take HIV medication, so they have AIDS, they are really, really sick. So they need really help. And the AMC, we can get them all those help. Can you imagine that you make our center a center that you want people to be having a pass or be registered? We don't want that because it's a medical thing and for us, that sex workers are healthy and feeling safe at our place, it's much more important than to have a registration. Yeah. They should never, everybody can come in anonymously, but also it's not only about HIV or the monkeypox, but also sex workers, they can become pregnant, yeah, like every other woman. And if you become pregnant and if you don't want to keep it, for example, then you need also a place where you can go and to ask for information, what you can do or where you can go, who can help you. Because can you imagine if you're working and if you're in a panic and you don't know where to go in another country and you're for four or five months pregnant and nobody can help you, people get in a panic, of, of course. course. Yes. So for us to come inside and to call us and that we can think with you what the best options you have, so what do you do in cases like that? I'm assuming you're talking about the girl wants abortion, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah. What, where do you step in? What's your role here? How much uh, do you push? How much do you... We never push. We always leave the decision for the woman, what she wants and uh, what the possibilities are. Because of course you can ask if somebody is uh, having doubts. You can always say, okay, uh, you can grow, go through any scenario to see what the possibilities are. But uh, it's up to her what she wants. If she wants to keep it, we will try to find out uh, in which way she can do best. And if she doesn't want to, we work together with a lot of clinics. Has there ever been a sex worker who wanted to keep the... Yeah, of course. Of course. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's also uh, always a discussion. And that's really interesting because normally you can work. Eh? What is it if you're pregnant? Uh, you can work until six weeks, I think, or maybe four weeks before you're going to be in labor. But for sex workers, people, if you're pregnant and working, now that is really something that people really don't understand. But for a sex worker, it's really difficult because if it's your job and if you're working, you can work very safely when you're pregnant. But the stigma and, and all the opinions that people have on you at that point, that is really difficult. So I think that a lot of women, they worked also pregnant, eh? everywhere and then they decide to go back eh? maybe some they go to the east of europe or to south america or to the netherlands doesn't matter and then they have their baby and they stay at home for a while eh? like every other person would do and then they continue working yeah that's just uh, your own personal point mm -hmm. of view like do yeah. you think uh, a, a mother who just gave birth like should go back to this kind of work would you advise her not just on a from a mm -hmm. human perspective yeah. would you well, normally you stay at home for, I don't know, uh, maybe two months after I have two children, I, but I started to working very soon again. But if you feel physical, good, because that's the thing. And everybody is different in that way. So if a woman after a couple of weeks thinks, well, I'm back in shape and I feel okay and I don't have any problems, of course you can. But from a psychological yeah. or mental point of view, you think it's also okay? If it's the job that they want to do, then there's no problem. If it's a job they're forced to do, I think then it's awful. Ugly Mugs is an online platform for sex workers where you can report dangerous clients and receive alerts. You can also check out new clients. And if necessary, they support you in reporting a crime or finding help. Anyone doing sex work in the Netherlands can join the platform anonymously regardless of sexuality, gender, form of work, origin or residence status. Ugly Mugs is there for all sex workers. The website is available in Dutch, English and Spanish. For more information, visit UglyMugs.nl and if you have any questions, please email them at info at UglyMugs.nl Can you tell, do you ever come across where you're like, okay, this person is being forced or that... Did you ever feel you're in a position where you thought, okay, this, this person is not cut out for this job. Maybe let me advise them to get out of it. Do you ever feel that or... Yeah, but we never advise to get out. What I do is when I think that somebody's really unhappy or that you really think this is not what somebody wants to do, then we always give the information, like if you don't want to do this job, or maybe, hypothetically, you know somebody who doesn't want to do this job, then in the Netherlands, we have all kinds of possibilities to quit the job. Eh? We can bring somebody to a shelter immediately. If somebody is working forced in the prostitution in Amsterdam, in 30 minutes, he can be in a safe place. So we have a really nice uh, shelter where people can go. Uh, we can, if she wants to do another job, we can also help her to see what kind of other job she wants to do. She can ask for uh, bystand social service. Yeah. It depends on how long you're here in the Netherlands, but if you're a victim of human trafficking and if you press charges, you can go into a lot of trajects. You get money from the state. So everything is really well organized. But it doesn't work that way. If you see somebody and you say, oh, I think you're a victim, they will never ever say the first moment, I'm a victim. Can you please help me? Because they 
are or afraid yeah, or somebody is behind them and saying you can never talk to anybody, not from the PNG, not from the police. So you always have to bring up a story. But they will always listen to the message. And sometimes even after a year, somebody's calling and saying, I heard what you said and I was not ready for it, but I really want to take your offer for help and I really want to get out of it. So, and sometimes it's going faster, yeah? so that they come in and they're like, okay, I'm working for somebody or I had a boyfriend and I gave all my money to him because he told me that he was going to start a restaurant with me. He didn't. And now he left with all my money and he has a new girlfriend and I feel really abused and I want to press charges. So it's all these kind of stories, they're there, of course. Or somebody stealing the money from a sex worker she kept in her house, eh? because also some of them, they don't want to put it in the bank account. They save it in their home. They get a boyfriend. He steals the money. And then they're like, okay, he was never a boyfriend, but he was really onto my Him? money. Or just yeah, following also, him. yeah, of course, they're also there. But the thing is, it's not like you're working in... in the place or you're going to a club or you go to into a house where people are working from house that they will say oh i'm a victim can you please help me of course yeah but no. but that's where i think you're somebody like you is very important because maybe you're planting a seed and then later that's on the they will and i think after doing this for 20 years your gut yeah. feeling is become sharper you can tell yeah. where somebody maybe needs help or yeah but even then because i also met a girl i never ever thought she would have been a victim and she was already for years. So even then, sometimes it's so difficult to recognize it. Oh, yeah. And when you say victim, just to clarify, you mean mm -hmm. like trafficked? Yeah. Is that? Okay. Yeah. 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 Because we also have had an exchange with Sweden, with the police and, and PNG and the shelter of human trafficking with Sweden, the police. And, and, and there they believe that everybody is a victim. If you're doing this job, then you're a victim. So they were walking around here in the red light and they couldn't watch. They said, oh, I can't believe that you're all doing this kind of work because everybody who's standing here is a victim. It's not normal. And then we said, yeah, we have a really complete different opinion about it because I think a lot of sex workers who are standing here, they know exactly what they're doing. And I know also sex workers who are doing it already for 30 or 40 years. Yeah, it's, but this, like you said in the beginning, this is an ongoing discussion. It's always it going to get people riled yeah. up because what is a victim anyway? And yeah. what is choice? Yeah. And what is free will? Because sometimes we are making unconscious choices. Yeah. But yeah, of course, there is the victim of trafficking. That's yeah. very extreme. But it's very clear. Yeah. yeah, that's clear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But then there's other kind of victimhood. There are small yeah. that we all Financial. go through. Yeah. And also our juridical thing is that if you pay somebody, if your money goes to somebody else, we also see it as human trafficking. So you cannot give your money away if you're working in the prostitution. So you keep it for yourself. If you're working in the Netherlands in the prostitution, your money is for yourself. And if, for example, if somebody from South America or Romania or to Hungary is bringing you from that country to here, yeah, that is smuggling, of course. But if uh, they help you to find an apartment or to uh, rent your room for the first weeks, and if you have to pay them, yeah, for example, 4,000 euros, then it's also trafficking. But the women themselves, they don't think that's trafficking because they're like, yeah, okay, but I just pay him because he helped me to get here and to find an apartment and to help me with the, the trip, everything. But in our juridical law, we don't see it like this. 
Yeah. But well, of course, you need also that if they need help in this case, we will always help. But yeah. what people shouldn't forget is that I think the, the biggest group are just independent sex workers who are doing their job. But it's really funny that everybody always wants to discuss, well, but maybe they have financial problems or psychiatric problems because other, but there isn't any other job that people are saying those same things. It's always, oh yeah, but yeah, but maybe it was such a, so there's always, people need an explanation. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. Because indeed, everyone does work for money. So everyone is doing it to to put food on the table. But yeah, there's also the psychological component. But is that really bad? I think maybe the problem Mm -hmm. is we shouldn't moralize it, maybe, right? No, that's the thing. And I think to do it, it makes people vulnerable had to put them in a victim place if somebody is repeating all the time over and over again to me oh i think you're a victim you're working for the png but i don't think maybe you're a victim then you're going to think that you're a victim and you're not going to feel comfortable if somebody is repeating that message all the time over and over again it doesn't feel comfortable if somebody tells me every day because believe me the sex workers, they see a lot of people, eh, also from uh, people who are taking care of eh, organizations or saying, yeah, if you need help. Huh? But even that is a little bit funny because the thing is, there is no other job that people come by every day eh, in your window or yeah. in the club and say, oh, how are you? Do you need something? If you need anything, just let me know. That is already a little bit strange because if I go in a restaurant every day say, are you okay are you okay just let me know that is already if you really maybe i'm not okay (laughs) that's the thing yeah but i but uh, i don't know if i can speak on behalf of all sex workers but i think it's nice to know that you are being cared for and someone thinks of you because you are vulnerable in this kind of job maybe not in a very extreme way but you are giving a piece of you i think and it's nice to know that people care yeah yeah of course and then we should really make it like this we care and you can get help and we're not going to make it like everybody's like, yeah. oh. Yeah, so yeah. just in a normal way, like, okay, if there's a problem, you know that there's police, especially for you. Eh? So people, they get treated with respect, like they should. And they can come if they have a health problem, there is help. But we shouldn't go over and over again if they need yeah. and how exactly. their family is and everybody. Okay. So, it's patronizing. Yeah. It makes the person feel yeah. like there's something wrong with But can you imagine if you're in your office every day and somebody's coming by every day, like, hi, how are you? In the, do you need something? How's your family? Can it do? It does feel a little bit strange. Do you strange. need to speak to a psychiatrist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, you want to get it really normalized. I think that's one of the main goals you should have. It should be really normalized. And on the same time, we know also it can make fo- uh, people vulnerable yeah, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that you that you are there if they need you. Yeah. But to go back to something yeah. that I, I, from my observation of the girls that work in my neighborhood, when I do notice, and I don't know what to make of this, but sometimes I, there's this one girl that I see, and I can tell she's on so much drugs and alcohol to do this kind of job. And I feel so bad for her. And then literally next door in the next window, I see another girl who's very sharp and aware and she's she's working the clients. And I'm like, yes, you go girl. Like, so you see the two examples. Yeah. There are people who really are good for this kind of job. They know how to handle it. But then there are other people who are like, damn, there is something wrong here. You need to stop this. So it's a very, I can imagine if I was doing a job like you, that would always be the challenge, right? Yeah. To how to treat people. Yeah, and then I think really that 
if they know that there is a center where they can go to very nearby, if they need help, that that is one of the most important things. And everybody who's working, the brothel owners, the police, the, the people from the city council who are doing their controls, we all know that if somebody needs help, that she can get anytime the number and they can call. Did you ever feel like you overstepped boundary where you reached out to help a girl and she didn't need your help? Did you ever like in all your years feel like... Of course, <laughs> but I can't remember. Of course you do. Because even in the beginning, I think that you do ask maybe a little bit too much. Okay, do you, if you need something. But the thing is, they're also nice. So I don't think that they will say, oh, well, um, mind your own business. And of course... We have also clients who are screaming at us like, Jesus Christ, uh, you cannot do anything. I need a house. Uh, I don't need any other help. I just need a place to stay. And of course, there are people who are thinking, no, we don't need your help, please. But I will never come by just to say, I, I want to help you. Never. Oh, you don't? You don't never. Yeah. Never. I always wait until they call me and yeah. they say, oh, I, we need help. And yeah. then I'm like, okay, I'm coming. Great. And that's why you've been doing it so long. I think because if you were adopting the other way, you would have burned out very yeah. early. <laughs> yeah, but I never do it. So if they need me, they call me. And if somebody sees somebody who needs me, they will call me. Yeah. So if the police thinks, okay, somebody needs help, they will call me. Yeah. Yeah. When you, you mentioned like the stigma that mm -hmm. sex workers yeah. go through, when you feel like you come across a sex worker who's kind of maybe drowning under the weight of all that stigma like or victimhood mm -hmm. how, how do you deal with that yeah mm -hmm. yeah the thing is it's um what we try to do also with the focus group at the png is we um a lot of um sex workers they were really uh damaged by that a lot of people say uh, that they're victims of human trafficking we also had it here in the area and then they wanted to start to make a glossy it's called the sex worker. They said, we want to show everybody what sex work is about. It's about, of course, not really nice things, but also about what we just discussed, eh? that it, you have nice clients, that it brings you a lot of money. And then we made the glossy. We don't have it here, but it's really a nice glossy. It's a glossy. So, and it's everything that they wanted to tell about sex work. And I think that's the way they should do it. If you feel really overwhelmed about stigma, then you, even if you feel really tired of bringing it up over and over again, you have to tell society what it really is. So even if you cannot be on television yeah, because you are too afraid of the stigma, you have to explain to people, buy a glossy or buy a book or buy, it doesn't matter, what it really means to be a sex worker. So don't make it more romantic than it is. Don't make it more worse, but just say that it's a job with really difficult issues, but also with really good and nice colleagues and other issues. So just make it the job it is because people don't believe it when it's pretty woman you understand yeah. people like uh, people don't believe it when it's all uh, only damaging or um, trafficking and tragedy because otherwise you wouldn't have a thousand or thousands of sex workers in Amsterdam and worldwide millions if it's only bad SexWorks wants to strengthen the position of sex workers. It is an advocacy group that is founded by sex workers in collaboration with the municipality of Tilburg. 
They are an enthusiastic group of sex workers and ex-sex workers from Zeeland, Brabant and Limburg who want to help empower sex workers. The advocacy group is for and by sex workers. Every month they come together to share their experiences. They also give workshops, trainings and presentations. Do you work as an escort or have clients over? Do you face prejudice because of your work? Do you think the profession deserves more respect and would like to help empower sex workers and help policymakers create better laws? Then go to sexworks.nl now to get in touch. You said you're yeah. on a confidential team. What is a confidential counselor? What is the team? Um, yes, we call it like confidential counselor. It's not only at the PNG, but it exists everywhere. Huh? So if people in a business or at the PNG, if you want to talk about something that you don't want to go somewhere else, then you can talk to me. If you talk to a social worker, in a lot of cases, they have to share it eh, with somebody. Of course, if somebody murders somebody, I always say that in the beginning, so if you murdered somebody, then you have to tell me, then I have to go to the police. Eh? I cannot keep Fair it enough. for myself. <laughs> well, and a lot of other things, except when it's, it's about minors, eh? if it's about really young people who are, for example, forced into prostitution, we always have to react. But all the other things... It's up to them if they want to put it anonymously at my place. Yeah? For example, if they want to talk about a boyfriend who's really bad or like a criminal and they want to say, okay, but he has this and he, he's done that. They can always tell me. And what I always do is try to see if I can put it anonymously at the police. If they, if they want it. Uh-huh. And then we can see what we can do without getting uh, the person in problems. So in some cases, if she's the only one who knows about the thing is difficult but in a lot of cases the police can always think okay what can we do to see that we can do something about this situation without putting that person in problems so they can talk about everything they want but it's up to them if they want to do it anonymously or not and if they want to put of press charges then we always explain you can also call bell m it's anonymously you can put also a complaint but then a lot of times if you're talking to sex workers from foreign countries they don't know what bell m is they're like yeah i'm going to call but then they know that i called because uh, they don't trust the system and i do understand that because it feels really strange that you're calling a number and you're going to say oh i just met a criminal and his gun is under this bed and so they prefer talking to a person and, for example, that I make the report. Right. Yeah, so, it makes sense. Yeah. So it's most of the time they want to say something about somebody else or a situation, but they're also or afraid or they don't want to be the person who is... Do they present. ever want to talk about themselves, like psychologically? Always. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, I think that's um, the people who are coming to the PNG. You have the people who just come for doing the STD test. Eh? They do it every three months, or they need prep or prep. And so they always they come to the PNG. It's a really big group who is just doing the STD test to keep themselves healthy and safe. And and then you have the group who's come to uh, social workers. And they have financial issues, for example, or they need a house or they're homeless or uh, they have other problems with their children or with their ex-husband or it doesn't matter. That's also a group who is coming. They want to talk about how they feel if they have a lot of stress. Eh? For example, if you have a lot of financial debt, then you have, of course, a lot of 
stress and they want to talk about how they can get out of the situation or they're paying a very expensive house and they uh, don't earn enough money so they're afraid to be kicked out on the street or they have a violent boyfriend and they want to leave the relationship and they don't know how to do it all this kind of issues and this would be like a normal session like a normal Normal day yeah yeah it's like you come in and then people come to the png and sometimes uh, they're very happy and sometimes they're very sad and because they're living here in the netherlands and some of them, if you're from a foreign country and your family is, is still there and people are sick or people are dying or there are problems in the family or hey, something is wrong with their children, then they're, of course, very sad. And there are also cases uh, that people uh, work here already for years, but that their children, they're studying, for example, but they don't know that their mother, for example, is working as a sex worker. They think she's working in a restaurant or... So you feel also a little bit isolated. So sometimes you just need to talk to people who are also doing the same job. We have focus groups at the PNG. So once a month for the female sex worker, once a month for the trans sex worker, and once a month for the male sex worker. Oh, maybe I should join that one. Yeah, it would be really good because you can talk about all the topics, also about the policy from the city council, yeah, what they want. Uh, and sometimes the police joins, so all the people can ask questions to the police, uh, what they want to know, when can I press charges, uh, all these kind of things uh, about health. Eh? Because even sometimes people are working for years already, but they don't know exactly how they can get uh, an STD or how they can get rid of an STD. Yeah. So it's always nice, I think, that people know that they have a place and they can meet colleagues and talk yeah. about the job. Yeah, like, like you said, there are sometimes it's easier to talk to people who know what you go through. Of course. Just, yeah, you feel like accepted. Is this the kind of job you ever take home with you? Yeah. Does it ever spill into your own life? Always. But if there's something wrong, yeah, because sometimes we had a case that somebody was beating up really bad uh, in a window, they can always call. But believe me, it's not like they're calling every night of the week. They don't. Not. But it has become such a, yeah, I don't know. It's part it of is, your identity. It is. Yeah. It is. When I work here in Amsterdam, uh, you have your colleagues and you see all the sex workers. But the thing is, for me, it's maybe too difficult also because I really grew up. I have also a friend who's already working also for 20 years. The thing is, I know people already my whole life. So I have became working at the Tipple Zone when I was 24. I'm almost uh, 49 in October. So I know these people in every step of my own life. Eh? Having children uh, or having problems and uh, being divorced, all these kind of things. So it's, of course, 25 years is a long time. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. the other sex workers you've met feel, but I feel like it's the kind of job that it maybe makes it difficult to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So from that, not from a moral point of view, but I would feel like, okay, maybe you're missing out on certain aspects in yeah. your life. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Or do you know people who have? Yeah, I do people who are married already for years, 30 years. So I think it is possible, but we do recognize a lot of sex workers who do say that it is difficult to have a relationship. That sometimes when they have an argument and, and the partner is saying something about the job or really being intimate, it can be a problem. But I know also sex workers who are already for years in a relationship and it's okay. You want, of course, people 
to have all the things that make that can make you happy in life. And if a relationship is one of them, and if you if sex work is going to make that too difficult, then I think you shouldn't do it. If you want a relationship, eh? because also some people say, I don't want a relationship, I'm fine doing this job and I want to be by myself. Some people want to be eh, by themselves and feel more comfortable. But if you really want to have a relationship and if this job is giving that problems, then maybe it's better to choose another profession. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We spoke a lot about sex workers who are undocumented or struggling or vulnerable in that way. Do you uh, ever deal with sex workers who are just Dutch? Oh, definitely. Women and men? Oh, yeah. They come in and they do the STDs and they leave and they do the job. So do, they, do you notice they have different challenges, let's say? Do you, because they, they're not dealing with... Yes, but I think if if you don't have to worry where you have to sleep at night or uh, all these kind of things, or that you miss your family uh, a thousand uh, kilometers, right? it's different. But now I think that's always difficult when you're starting to talk about vulnerable sex workers, because I think the largest group is the group who's just coming in to do the STDs, doing their job, um, and they sometimes they have their own house doctor, so they need they don't need to come to the PNG. They just do their thing. And you will never see them. But the group that we see is, of course, the group who's asking for help. So it gives also an other kind of view on this group. But we know also if you, for example, have like 6,000 sex workers in Amsterdam or 10,000, doesn't matter. The largest group is the group who's just doing this job without any problems. Right. Without any problems. They just do what they need to do and they go home like everybody else, like cooking and uh, buying a house and this kind of things. And then, of course, you have the group who's asking for help. And that's the group that we see. Yeah, indeed. Do people then ask for help in other, maybe the, the Dutch, uh, this is just an assumption, right? The Dutch sex workers would be asking for psychological help also, rather than... Uh, financial problems. And so they have debt, for example, of they have uh, their taxes. They have to pay a lot of tax. They know they, they want to know how to uh, to solve it. So they have the same issues as any, any other sex worker, but not with uh, coming from a foreign country. Uh, right. Being undocumented, for example, that makes a lot of things in life more stressful. Yeah. It's funny, this job, when you do it for so long, because I've also been doing it as long as you've been doing yeah. <laughs> work, more than 20 years, it really becomes just nothing like it's just part yeah. of your system sometimes i'd be with friends and i'd leave to meet a client and come back yeah. and friend asked me how was it i forget like how was what oh yeah, yeah. i just had sex with yeah. somebody it's for me it's almost like filling an excel sheet it but becomes like uh, yeah but that's what every other person also does they go to work and they do their thing and they come home and they cook and they go to sport and they're going yeah. out and they're doing uh, they're looking at uh, they're watching television and they don't think about it so that's what everybody else is also doing. Yeah. But this goes back to why people find this job so interesting, because they find yeah. it so hard that you can shut off and do yeah. something so intimate, Yeah. like a job. Yeah. Maybe that's what people yeah. struggle with. I yeah, think. and then it's like the switch off yeah, that people are talking about. Then you get the discussion, is it possible to switch off? Yeah? Exactly. And of course you have um, people, psychologists, who will say it doesn't exist. You cannot switch off because you're still there. And then you have people say, yes, of course you can. It's just a mental focus. You're doing it and it's done. But that's what people 
a lot of times they bring up in the discussion, yeah, switch off is, is that possible? Just to have sex without feeling anything. Yeah, that, that, that's, I think that's beautiful because I think that's the, the crux of the matter. Like that's the core of it is the, can you, I think you can switch off, but the question becomes when you switch off so regularly, what happens to you in the long run? Like yeah. is, maybe then your partner will doubt or things like that, things like that mm -hmm. come up. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think you can only um, give an answer to that question if you're doing the job. Because maybe uh, people are really interesting human beings, of course, because you can solve a lot of things in your uh, behavior, in how you want to handle things. Or So if you're doing this job, maybe in the beginning, it's difficult to find a way to do this with clients. And maybe then after two years, I think, oh, well, it really is okay in what I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's funny. I w The point that I struggle with is when I feel a big attraction to a client. That's when I feel like, oh my God, what is happening here? Like it happened a, f a few weeks ago that I was attracted to a client and I thought, should I be getting paid? And then I was like, okay, no, this is my job. Like take the thought out. So that it, it's really very subtle things yeah. that you deal with. But what would happen if you really find somebody? Because I had also uh, people who were falling in love with their clients. Well, they can get uh, married or living together or having a relationship. Has that ever happened? Yes, yeah, of course. Oh, that's sweet yeah. in a way. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Because falling so, in love, I can understand because yeah. it's such a passionate thing yeah. that you're doing. But to actually go on and marry your client or, or have a relationship, yeah. that's even wow. That's yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it does happen. It I doesn't mean, happen every day. Of course. But yeah. it does Life happen. is not pretty woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that's a shame. <laughs> no, but the thing is, yeah, if that happens, I can also imagine that you really find somebody. Because that's also what a lot of people telling me always is that having a client, it's also they feel really like a social worker. Yeah? Because a lot of clients, they want to talk because they cannot talk at home or maybe they can. But everybody knows that if you're for a longer time in a relationship, that people don't see you anymore the way you would like to be seen. So when somebody is listening to you, you also feel really nice that somebody's giving you the attention. So a lot of sex workers, they feel like social workers. They're listening. They're giving somebody a new vision in life and they feel much stronger. So I understand also that. Yeah, you are it, like a psychologist yeah. in a way. And and then you can, I can also imagine that if you have a client who's coming by every week, I also know somebody who has every week on Monday morning, the same client. And if you really can get along and you're sometimes just talking instead of having sex or maybe doing both, that's this kind of feelings you can also yeah. have. Definitely. I have a client who, who comes now at this point, we met six months ago. He comes four times a month for a massage yeah. and just maybe a happy ending or like, yeah. but a lot of talking and yeah. coffee before and after. And sometimes we go yeah. out for lunch and he loves his partner from what I can understand. But clearly something is missing there, but it's like we're becoming friends and it's kind of, yeah, yeah beautiful. But it's, yeah, because that is really normal, I think. If you're meeting somebody so many hours in your life because that's also interesting because a lot of people say yeah if you go to a sex worker then maybe the person at home it doesn't give you what you need i don't know because the thing is i think it's life i think everybody in life if you have a long relationship everybody can sometimes have that feeling yeah, that that 
you are attracted to somebody or that you're really wondering, oh, how would it be like? And you're really curious. That's life. It's not like uh, the, the clients of a sex worker just missing a lot at home. They're just living. And sometimes people have this kind of feelings yeah. and they are curious and it's for everybody also because a lot of people it's not only going by uh, uh, to sex worker people also go out or they go on holiday they're going skiing with a group of friends and they also like okay who's walking around here and maybe i can feel myself right. different and and i think it's a little bit that yeah and also these days the discussion of polyamorous relationships and things like like it's very crazy to think that one person can satisfy all your needs for the rest of your life right like a partner so it's yeah, and in a way, maybe going to an, a sex worker is even more interesting than going to having an affair because then you know it's limited mm -hmm. to yeah. this and it cannot go past a certain yeah. point. Yeah. Because that's, if, if, I think if you ask people, would it, um, um, you prefer that uh, your partner has a longer term relate an affair mm -hmm. or just going one time to a sex worker, I think a lot of people would choose a sex worker because the emotional part is for more people more difficult, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah, but it's but yeah. The thing is, it's it's nice to talk about this kind of things because it's also for sex workers really important the knowledge that they're existing, and that it's also really interesting for people for human beings to to sometimes explore things from themselves and yeah. yeah. But that's why I always think it's funny when they say, yeah, but I talk a lot with clients. Eh? They come in and we don't just have sex. It's just like we're talking sometimes for half an hour. I know everything about his life, about his children. Yeah, yeah. so you share a lot. A lot. And actually, most of my clients are married men. And not che like, it's kind of a, from what I can understand, don't ask, don't tell kind of policy. Yeah. Like, yeah, and they don't seem to have any intention to divorce or separate from that partner. So, and I prefer those kind of clients because there's no drama with them. Nee. They, they only want to talk to you for that hour and then nothing else. So it actually works out pretty nice that yeah. way. Yeah, but it's really an interesting profession, I think. I yeah. think there's so much happening there. And that's why also people are interested because if there's nothing if you're just in one conversation think okay okay this is just sex work but there is so much around it about uh, sex intimacy but also social work eh? talking to people that clients need to have the attention feeling lonely we all know loneliness they feel lonely they need some yeah yeah wow it's kind of a universal human truth in a way yeah. about all of us. Yeah, it's very basic, isn't it? <laughs> it's not very complicated. I think we all know these feelings and we don't always want to feel these feelings. So you're looking for solutions to don't be in that. And everything that can help you a little bit, it can feel nice. Yeah. Great. That's a beautiful note to end it on, I think. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love you like la 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 la. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast yet again. We've had another lovely week and a lovely guest. A very big thank you to the SPOT, the Sex Work Alliance for Destigmatization Against Sex Work, for making this podcast possible. And we'd love it if you follow us on our socials, on Instagram, as well on Twitter. And if you have any questions or suggestions, or maybe a guest you'd like to suggest, please email us at pennyforyourlovepodcast at gmail.com. So thank you guys and see you next week.